Glorious news, comrades. The chocolate ration has been increased to 20 grams from 30 grams. And Big Brother can't understand why you're so glum about it. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Green with Bill Whittle and Scott Ott. This is Right Angle, brought to you by the members of BillWhittle.com. Well played. Uh, folks, this is one of those stories that just really got me. Uh, Democratic pollster Celinda Lake told the Associated Press, is talking about the economy in this story, that she was mystified, that's her word, by the voter anxiety on the economy. She said, things are getting better and people think things are going to get worse. And that's the most dangerous piece of this. Dangerous was the word she Hmm. used. Uh, Lake also said that voters want prices to fall, not just inflation. Honestly, I'm kind of mystified by it. Yeah, me too. It's, uh, wow, it's it's right up there with uh, why do we like pretty girls in summer dresses? Uh, uh, <laughs> I the Wall Street Journal. This this is what gets me. You you look at the actual news, not the stuff the White House is peddling. And there's a Wall Street Journal story. Maybe she's not familiar with this little upstart uh, newspaper. Uh, hmm. This this came out on Monday. The math for buying a home no longer works. Typically, high mortgage rates slow down home sales and home prices should soften as a result. Not this time. Home sales are certainly falling, but prices are still rising. There just aren't enough homes to go around. The national median existing home price rose to about $392,000 in October, the highest ever for that month in data that goes back to 1999. Uh, Bill, we're in this very strange situation uh, in the home home market specifically where nobody can afford to buy and nobody can afford to sell. And the White House is telling us this is great. Hmm. Let me let me come to this journalist uh, because I, I think this really is the heart of the issue. Apparently, uh, things are just doing great out there, and these American public's just too stupid to realize it. And um, and apparently, these knuckle dragging savages and flyover company actually want the prices to go down. <laughs> how, how terribly quaint and unsophisticated of them, <laughs> Steve. There, there, there are. In my opinion, there are no question. There are people that are driving some of these things who are people of of genuinely evil intent. But most people are not. I agree with Scott on this, although God knows it's been a slog to 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 to, to recognize that most people are not actually out to do rotten things. They just believe things that they've been that they. It's not even they've been told to believe. When I was a theater major, I believed all kinds of garbage because I was surrounded by theater majors and they're all a bunch of idiots. Um, they're talented idiots. They're good-looking idiots, but idiots they are. And so what what we're seeing here, I really just got an insight on this that I don't think ever really really occurred to me before. If you think about think about back in the 40s and stuff when they were making movies about reporters, this is the kind of reporter that Scott Ott was when, or wanted to be when he joined journalism school. Reporters used to come from the middle class or sometimes even the lower middle class, and their, and their job in life was to go out and right wrongs and, 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 and shine light on, on, on you know, to, well, to, to, to afflict the comfortable. Yeah, and, and, and sniff out that BS. Was, correct. But their job was to provide a sense of justice. But when... When all of a sudden, when when in order to become a journalist, you had to go to a journalist school, and in order to become an influential journalist, you had to go to a top journalism school, you are selecting journalists now who are from people of means. I never really fully thought about this until just this very second, but the selection process because of the accreditation process, when you had when when New York City had 17 newspapers, you could hire a hell of a lot of reporters. When you've got one newspaper or two, you're only hiring Harvard, 
graduate journalism school uh, reporters, and those people are coming from a very thin slice of experience in, in terms of, of of the American experience. So what I realized when I when you just said this quote is, is that the difference between now and then is that we are being told what to believe by elites, and elites by definition have a great deal of disposable income, and things don't affect them the way that they affect regular people. I mean, my God, if the price of kale goes up from $7 to, 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 to $8.50, they don't even notice it. The rest of us don't even know what kale is, parenthetically and completely apropos of, of nothing else. Did you hear Senator Kennedy when he was doing a speech at, at CPAC? He, or I think it was C, he was He was doing a speech and Senator Kennedy said, um, we used to eat you know peanuts and, 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 and candy bars for energy. He said, now 21-year-olds go around with little sealed packages full of kale for energy. And he said, as far as I'm concerned, kale tastes like I'd rather be fat. Um, <laughs> uh but seriously, they are so disconnected from from the from the real world problems that real world people have that they have no longer. It's not even a question of any sympathy. They no longer have any common experience with the vast majority of the people in this country, and that's why, man, I cannot believe what an insight this is for me. The reason that we are becoming more and more, no, I'm serious. The reason we're becoming more and more detached from our government is because the qualifications for accreditation in things like journalism and government and business and so on now require so much more income than they used to because the number of the, the pool has shrunk so much that we have created an elite that is that has none of the experiences of the people that they come to represent, meaning either represent in government or represent through journalism. Yeah. Um, so of course she thinks things are getting better, and of course she thinks the economy's fine because paying five dollars and eighty cents a gallon for gas is no skin off of her nose. She probably lives in a city and 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 either Ubers or takes a taxi from one skyscraper to another if she lives in New York City. And this is why we're having this this enormous social. Uh, mass movement away from trust in government and institutions because the trust because government and institutions like newspapers are no longer made up of people like us. I, I think it was Dana Lash who asked, and it was a title of her book. And I, I think it was Dana. Uh, how can you govern a country you've never been to? Which <laughs> this is this is James Lilac's Olive Garden essay. Yeah, in, in yeah. Writ large, um, it was that was the original Fisking, and it's still. Probably the best example. I want to talk about J School for just a sec because I almost went to what was at least then considered to be the second best J School in the world in the country, uh, University of Missouri Columbia. And fortunately, I, I changed paths. No good could have come from that. And the reason I mentioned this, Bill, since since you started, is I wrote a, a column last week for PJ Media, and the first thing I found on this topic I wanted to write about was this uh, brief write up from a, a Washington. Uh, news organization that was that was new to me, but um, as I read this story, I, I'm trying to figure out. It was supposed to be a, a House hearing, but then she's got this quote from this senator, and by the time I get to the end of this, I don't know, 600 word report, I'm more confused than I was when I read the headline. It was just it was a jumbled mess. So I look up the reporter. She turns out to have been in Washington at this bureau for something like four or five years, so she should know the difference between the House and the Senate, which is what she got wrong. It was actually a, a Senate hearing, not a House hearing. 
And she was a graduate of J School at the University of Missouri, which is still one of the top ones in the nation, and and lives in D.C. and can't get basic story or basic facts right or write a, co- a coherent story. And uh, journalism is just dead. All right, Scott, let's get to you. Um, we can be pretty sure that uh, this uh, this pollster, I, I've forgotten her name now, reads the Washington Post, for goodness sake. I mean, that's the, the official mouthpiece of the... Uh, of, of the ruling party. Um, Washington Post had this headline, I think it was last summer, new cars once part of the American dream now out of reach for many. Uh, even as inflation is easing and global chip supply chain shortages are getting resolved, more Americans are being priced out of the nation's new car market. Industry and government data suggest, and the data doesn't just suggest it, uh, sales show it and prove it. Uh, the, the new car is just not a part of that anymore. Um, Scott, I'm thinking of Solzhenitsyn, and I'll probably mangle the quote, who cares, but it just popped into my head. We know they're lying. They know we know they're lying. We know they know we know they're lying, and so on, and yet they continue to lie. (laughs) Well, I I think there are maybe a couple of things going on here. Um, Number one, if things are are getting better, and some things are getting better, um, Mm -hmm. people don't associate it with Joe Biden. And so, you know, there's one thing to say. I think there is this kind of privileged position that incumbents have where they think that anything good that happens into the in society would be attributed to them and boost their reelection prospects. But that only happens if people think you had something to do with it. And I don't think that anybody thinks that Joe Biden, you know, decreased the price of gasoline. Um, this weekend, uh, I think after church, we stopped at a gas station to, to fill up my wife's vehicle. And uh, and I didn't even notice what the price was. I don't even look because you got to fill up the tank. So you just don't, yeah. you know, it's not like I'm I'm going to drive around the neighborhood shopping for the best price. I just stop where it's convenient <laughs> and get the, the fuel. Anyway. I drove 40 I, miles to save three cents a gallon. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. After I left there, we passed another gas station and I noticed the sign because I was at a at a intersection sitting still. And I saw this sign that said it was like. 246 a gallon. And I was like, 246 a gallon? I wonder what we paid, which I have no idea because I didn't even save the receipt. But um, all of a sudden I started noticing all the gas station signs were almost all of them were less than 250 a gallon. And I was like, well, I don't know what gas was last week, but I know it wasn't too long ago that it was above $3 a gallon. So so the price of fuel is down, but I not for a moment did I go thanks, President Biden. Like there was, there's just no association that he has anything to do with it. Um, and it's so, American frackers, by the way. Uh, prices yeah, were up long yeah. enough that they've got their finances in shape and they're cranking up production and it'll get interesting and, to see and, what the Saudis do. And honestly, I think we need to be more like that all the time. I mean, I we do this goofiest things where we blame politicians and we credit politicians for complex things that happen because of the actions of millions of people. And and we, we want to attribute it to one individual for good or ill. And I think we need to be a little more cautious with that anyway. But um, our neighbor across the street right here uh, just found out from their landlord that the landlord wasn't going to be renewing their Lease. And this is a lovely couple with a with a seven or eight year old boy who we love, and he's like a grandson to That's us. Hard. And and they have to leave, and so he's already in school, of course. So that means he's got a he's going to leave his school district and uh, his classmates, 
and, and in the middle of the year. So anyway, they found a place to live. It's quite a distance from here, but we'll still be able to see them from time to time. And the rent at the new place, and this is a house, not an apartment, the rent at the new, new place is an additional $300 a month. And I'm like, you know, that's, I don't think that's easy for anybody, you know, but, but especially in the kind of socioeconomic group that we occupy, um, just coming up with an extra $300 a month for essentially the same thing that you had before, plus all the expense of, of moving and everything. Moving, yeah. yeah and, and, and the hassle of it. But I, I, that's why, you know, every once in a while we look at, at buying a house, we rent our house right now and we look at buying a house and I'm like, Holy cow, how long would we have to hang in there for that thing to pay off? Um, you know, it's just when you think about what a 20% down payment looks like on in this area, four to five hundred thousand dollar house is not a mansion. Um, and you look at that and you're like, wow, we're gonna pony up seventy to a hundred thousand dollars to to just to get started in a house that's gonna be then higher monthly payments plus taxes plus uh, repairs and all this other kind of stuff. So I don't blame people for being a little more skeptical than the mainstream media thinks they should be because they're pretty good gauges of what's going on in their own lives, but Washington DC is not a very good gauge of anything. Yeah. Steve, one just quick sure. thing, because Scott is absolutely right. It's like we, we tend to think the president sets prices for the economy, you know, and that is, you know, do we, we elect this guy and then Joe Biden's just going to go through every, you know, grocery store in America with his little, you know, sticker tag and, and, and raise prices <laughs> and stuff. But, 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 but what is also true is that in, at least in this one particular case, upon his election, Joe Biden immediately canceled an oil pipeline and canceled yeah. drilling licenses through essentially executive order. And that kind of thing does have an impact yes, on, on, on what Pumping the rest $6 of us trillion have to dollars do. into the economy of made up money. You can make the case. You can make the case that it took, as you said, it took three years for industry to correct back production that was cut short by this guy's pen in two days after being um elected yeah it's uh it's we we've got bidenomics basically consists i made this joke about obamanomics uh, many years ago uh that obamanomics consists of taking an economy that was on its back sticking your knee on its chest while slamming it in the face with a big bag full of money saying why won't you get up <laughs> And there you have it. Uh, to sum it up, though, just just very, very briefly, which I, I can do for once. You're welcome. Uh, we've reached a place, and, and these, these are just the numbers. This isn't a matter of opinion or spin. The median income, the, me, the median American income no longer buys the median house, and it no longer buys the median new car. And that means <laughs> the middle class as we've known it for the last 75 years has stopped working in the last three. And you can't spin that away. All right. That's your right angle on that. Brought to you by the members of BillWhittle.com. Thank you so much for watching and we'll see you next time.